It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into ATL Day One. Got a cool show for you today because we got a cool guest for you guys today. So first things first, we know that there have been exit interviews, but apparently there are more exits down at State Farm Arena with the Hawks. We'll talk about that. Also, the NFL draft is a wrap. So whether you want to talk about how it went down in Flowery Branch or the coolest things going from Athens to the city of brotherly love, well, you have stopped at the right place. And in today's For the Culture, Aaron is going to tell us what is on his bucket list. Let's go. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome in again to Day Ones, guys. I am Tanitra Batista, and as you can see, Jarvis is not with us today, but he will be back tomorrow, you guys. Make sure you send him thoughts and prayers. He's a little bit under the weather, but hopefully he'll be back in action tomorrow. But you guys also know this guy who's joining me today, none other than our host for Locked On Falcons here on the Locked On Sports Atlanta Network, and that is Aaron Freeman. And of course, this episode with Tanitra and Aaron of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It is the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more of its FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Now, Aaron, we know there's still a lot of conversation about the NFL draft 2023, particularly the Falcons draft class. And you and I are going to deep dive into that in the second segment. And I'm really excited because I have the opportunity to talk to our expert himself about it. So I just can't wait to, to talk about that. But wanted to ask you as well, one of the cool and very intriguing things for us, of course, is always to kind of see where the hall is here in the state of Georgia. Well, the hall is always Athens, right? So, and now the hall from the dogs in Athens has gone to becoming, I guess, dogs north or dogs northeast up in Philly because, of course, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo, all drafted by the Eagles and even one-upped it by going and getting DeAndre Swift in a trade uh, for draft acquisitions with the Detroit Lions. And, of course, you had other dogs landing spots. As you know, Aaron, I am always proud when they land in the other city in Pennsylvania, known as Pittsburgh. They drafted uh, Broderick Jones, the Steelers did. Darnell Washington, Stetson Bennett, Chris Smith, Robert Beal, Warren McClendon, and Kenny McIntosh wraps it up for the dogs this season. Once again, another draft, another dogs haul. Yeah, I, I think this was interesting how both Pennsylvania teams were kind of fighting over all the Georgia players, um, yeah. you know, it feels like Philadelphia kind of won, won the battle, but you know, we'll see if Pittsburgh can win the war uh, over, over time and, and see how these guys develop. I, I think for Jalen Carter, Philly's the, the best landing spot for him. Um, you know, he's going to be able to go in there with a stack D line, pick and choose his spots. He's got several teammates on him. So some of those uh, concerns that NFL teams had that, you know, maybe the maturity questions with Jalen Carter, you know, that's not going to be probably be a non-issue for him in, in Philly. Um, you know, Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo, those guys are going to be really solid developmental pieces. My one question with the Eagles is like, when are these guys going to get on the field? Cause like they have so many good players on defense and so many players at those positions in particular, it's like, we might not see some of these guys for like two or three years. Meanwhile, in Pittsburgh, you know, I feel like those guys are going to be on the field immediately. So we'll get to see a chance to see what they can do in the NFL. 
You're absolutely right. For the Steelers, we've been looking and looking and hoping and praying that we could get some help, right? And we got it started last year, of course, with George Pickens as our pick to complement what Kenny Pickett was able to do. Now you want to take those weapons along with Najee Harris and be able to give them some, some support, both run protection and pass protection. So, yeah, I, I tell you, Steeler Nation about lost their minds on Friday night when they picked up uh, Broderick Jones. And I think, you know, that just once again tells you how there's just so much excitement about what the dogs are able to do. And not just excitement, but also there's a lot of trust in what they're able to do as well. And not for nothing, and I know I didn't put him on our rundown, but I'm just going to throw this out there as well, because I know that we still kept our eyes somewhat on him here in the Atlanta Metro because of the fact that there was a potential for Keon White to possibly land here with the Falcons. Of course, he did not. He lands with the Patriots. But how do you feel about that as far as his landing pad uh, on draft day, uh, second round? Well, uh, Tadisha, I don't know if you saw it on the TV, but Keon didn't seem particularly happy when he got drafted. They showed uh, a camera at his house and he, he looked very upset. So I don't know if he was upset because he was just mad that the Falcons passed on him in round two or he got picked by the Patriots or he just didn't know he had gotten picked yet. It was, it was a, it was a kind of bizarre sort of situation, but I think that's a good pickup for the Patriots. Uh, Keon's a, a very good player. Jarvis has been, you know, waxing poetic about how good a player he is for the last several months since the senior bowl, both me and him were down there in mobile talking yeah. about, you know, this guy looks like a guy that could be playing for the Atlanta Falcons. Unfortunately, he'll have to play for, you know, those pesky Patriots up North, but I think he'll wind up having a very good career, uh, you know, playing for Bill Belichick up there. Indeed. And it's interesting to hear from Trey Young and some of the other players who are looking to have quite an interesting and quite a robust and hopefully competitive and successful career under Quinn Snyder. So yes, regular season, postseason, all seasons, 22-23 is a wrap for the Hawks as of Thursday. They did exit interviews on Friday and just lauded Quinn Snyder, right? But it was only lauding Quinn Snyder, by the way. They really didn't talk about anyone else on that staff. And so... Joe Prunty, Jamel McMillan, all the holdovers from the Nate McMillan era who were kept on for those last 20 plus games in the regular season. And of course, the postseason as well. Reportedly from Zach Klein of WSB, Quinn Snyder has cleaned house and he is absolutely bringing in a new staff. Now, Aaron, we uh, honestly didn't any of us really think he was going to retain anyone. Not really. Maybe Joe Prunty. But here's the bigger question for me. As far as I'm concerned, no matter who Quinn Snyder brings for that sideline staff, I think that the Hawks are going to be in a better place. Number one, having him in the offseason to be able to train under him. And then, of course, number two, having him for a full season. And the players seem to all agree at, with that as well. But where I think the biggest change actually needs to happen is that staff on the court. So kind of where do you see them going, especially now that Quinn Snyder's had that opportunity to do I guess what I would call a pre-evaluation because he had those 20 games. Where do you see him and his new staff once we get word of who that staff is other than, you know, of course, the former Notre Dame coach, but any other persons on his staff, where are they going to go potentially by changing the staff that's on the court next season? Well, you know, I don't have any names for you, Tanitra, but, you know, the last six months for the Hawks have been so weird, you know, with yes. the ups, the downs and, the, the whatever whoever Quinn Snyder brings in mm -hmm. you know you just want to have some st stability there over the next six months so it's like okay here's what we're trying to do here's the plan let's you know let's go 
uh, all in on that. It's just it feels like, you know, with Nate and, and Quinn and Trey and it's just it's been so convoluted. And so I think the way that Quinn was able to come in, put a little stability on it, and now he can sort of, you know, stabilize that situation and put his own spin on things moving forward, I think will be very beneficial for the Hawks moving forward so that we won't be going through this, you know, roller coaster of a ride next season. Exactly. Where literally you and I or Jarvis and I or anyone who covers the Hawks, our guy, Brad Roland, one day we're lauding everything that the Hawks do individually and collectively. And then the next day we're all scratching our heads or we're all ticked off and we're blowing a head off a steam. You know, it, it just, yeah, the back and forth is just crazy. You know what I thought Aaron might be good. And I'm just going to kind of give an analogy because like you, not quite sure other than uh, coach Bray where Quinn Snyder's going but Mike Brown came to mind as a prototype of who you might want. Meaning like you, I have no clue where Quinn Snyder is going to go. I'm sure there are going to be leaks across the next several days. And then of course the Hawks are probably going to announce it officially at some point who his new staff is. But one thing about Mike Brown, yes, the Warriors were able to one up the Kings in seven and, and kind of destroy them at that, at their home base. But Mike Brown was absolutely tremendous. Of course, he's a former head coach, so there's that. But he was a great assistant head coach when Steve Kerr had to go out when it was a back issue. Of course, I know that was uh, Luke Walton's time. But when uh, Steve Kerr went out uh, on COVID, that's what it was. He went out for COVID, and he just did a stellar job. The players applauded him. And then, of course, he gets all these co-signs as he's moving back into the head coaching gig. Particularly, you really saw the backcourt for the Kings flourish, right? Well, I think I think the backcourt for Quinn Snyder is going to be fine with Quinn Snyder, right? I really want to see Aaron, somebody who can maybe come in and be what I want to call the front court whisperer. Somebody who's going to get our three and four, whoever the heck they are, probably not John Collins or DeAndre Hunter, but whoever the heck they are, somebody who's going to come in and get those guys to understand the importance of consistent two-way play. Because I feel like we're good to go, whether it's Clint Capella, Onyeka Okongu as his backup, or if they bring in some other big, I think the five is fine. I think three, four is where your biggest challenges are. Or someone like a Kyle Korver who was very, he understood both roles, right? Understood how to be a starter, understood how to be a role player. Someone who can really get 2.0 to be, bench mob 2.0 to be even better bench mob. I think you and I saw Sadiq Bey kind of step up to the plate uh, late in the season. AJ, AJ Griffin showed a spark, so that's pretty encouraging as well. And finally, Jalen Johnson got a coach that seems to know what to do with him. So we got to see good things from them. But I agree with you. I don't necessarily know who the names are. I think that's going to start. Those rumors are going to start to ramp up regarding that um, on-court staff. But it'll be intriguing to see about as intriguing as what you look at when you watch a Braves-Mets game or a Braves-Mets series. Man, oh, man. Like, game one, it gets called. So the Braves get it for nothing. Games two and three rained out. Finally, you get to play two and three today, and the Braves end up taking game one. But they're they're one of the teams where I would say it's the polar opposite when they get on the the the, uh, the baseball field because we never have to question anything, right? We always know Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to have like one of those days where it's like, oh, it's it's 18th out of 33 at bats, you know, where he makes contact. Sean Murphy hits a home run. And Spencer Strider, even though he's, you know, a little bit shaky in the beginning, he ends up kind of settling himself down and they're good to go. Now, for me, I think that's the most exciting, most consistent team in town right now where we know we're going to get pretty much game in, game out, right? Yeah, I think, you know, the Falcons are hoping B. John Robinson can bring that type of stability for the offense uh, this fall. But yeah, right now the Braves are the one team that you can be like, okay, 
good things are going to happen with the Braves playing. Don't know what the Hawks are doing. Don't know what the Falcons are doing. But the Braves, you know, are keeping it on lockdown. So uh, a good win for them uh, to beat the uh, Mets today. And, uh, you know, continuing that Atlanta-New York rivalry, right? You know, yes. with with Trey Young and, and all that. And we'll see if the Falcons can get something going. I, I don't know, with the Giants or something like right. that in the future or, <laughs> or whatever. That. But, yeah, it, good win for the Braves today. Indeed. And since, you know, we're being petty, the Knicks lost yesterday. Moving right <laughs> along. Just had to be petty. Just one more time before we wrapped up the conversation. But you actually gave a perfect segue into our second segment because, of course, we're going to go into what we'll call Bijan Robinson and company better known as the 2023 draft class for the Falcons. But you guys, you know what the deal is, right? Any and time you stop by this show, we got to tell you ways that you can one up your life, right? Ways that you can live your life like it's golden. You can be great or whatever term it is that you want to use. And the biggest way to do that here is fan duel grand slams, no hitters, double plays. All of them are back. We just talked to you guys about a team that has had grand slams, a near no hitter and double plays for days with the Braves. There's no better place to get in on MLB action than FanDuel. That's America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers, that means you, you, and you can step up to the plate with a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. We're going into summertime. You guys probably want to go on vacay. That's the money you need for it. So just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So again, you want to bet that Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to make contact the next time he gets to plate? That's the thing that you want to go and bet. You want to see if Spencer Strider still keeps up at the top of the leaderboard in the majors for strikeouts? This is a place where you can make that kind of bet. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. And FanDuel, of course, is the official partner of Major League Baseball. Another thing that is can't miss is Aaron Freeman and his feedback on a Falcons draft. So if there's anybody, Aaron, whom I want to talk to after it's all said and done for a Falcons draft, if it's not Jarvis, it's absolutely you. So let's go right in because I know you got thoughts. So, of course, we talked about Bijan Robinson. That That's the, the kind of the no-brainer because, okay, he's your first pick and everybody kind of went up and down. To me, it got more intriguing after day one, round one, because you wanted to see what – the Falcons were going to do? Were they actually going to try to shore up the trenches? Were they going to get a little more help in the secondary? Where exactly were they going to go? And as you know, they did go and get help two times over um, in the trenches on the offensive side, one time on the defensive side, and then of course shored up a couple guys for the secondary as well. How do you feel overall? How do you feel about this draft class for the Falcons in its entirety? I feel pretty good about it, right? You know, with Bijan, certainly controversial pick at the top of the draft due to, you know, is that a need for the Falcons? Do you take a running back that high? No one doubts uh, Bijan's skill level. Everybody agrees that he was one of the best players in this draft class. But you did wonder a little bit, okay, are the Falcons going to shore up the, the biggest weakness for them, which is in the trenches? They did that on day two, getting Matthew Bergeron, the Syracuse left tackle. They're going to move him in the left guard, you know, potentially a plug and play. And I, I like that move a lot just because on Lockdown Falcons over the last two years, we've been very – critical let's say of the Jalen Mayfield selection and the fact that Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith seemingly were willing to correct the mistake uh if, if that's fair to say maybe that's a little too harsh to say about Jalen Mayfield but to be you know able to look themselves in the mirror and say maybe we didn't get this pick right 
and let's not double down like a former regime would have yes. done for, for certain players and, yes. and say, oh, well, well, we'll figure out how to get him out of it. And I think with Bergeron, that was a great pick. And then Zach Harrison, just a, another massive human being, uh, probably the only person you know, on the planet that's bigger than Zach Harrison is Calais Campbell. So it's it's nice to have both of those guys right. uh, on the Falcons D line and, and seeing what they can do uh, with that group. So I, I really liked those two picks. And then I think in round four, you got Clark Phillips, a cornerback from Utah. A lot of people thought he was going to be like a second round pick. And I think the mm-hmm. Falcons are going to get kind of a plug and play starter at that nickel cornerback spot. I'm very much looking forward to the competition at that cornerback position we know AJ Terrell's good but the other two spots are kind of up in the air with Jeff Akuda and D Alford and Mike Hughes and now Clark Phillips in the mix so I think the, the Falcons you know got a player that could come in and legitimately you know jump right into the fray and be a playmaker the fact that he had what four pick sixes and I think he had like 30 pass breakups in like 31 career games which is basically he's breaking up a pass every game on average I, like I've never heard of a college player doing that so if that translates to the NFL you're going to get you know a playmaker for the Atlanta Falcons in that secondary yeah and I I want to agree with you of course co-signing on in the trenches because like you I was screaming from the rooftops and, and we had a running joke on the show hashtag defense matters but really hashtag defense in the trenches matters is what we were our mantra was and so I was very encouraged by that but I also had mentioned in our kind of mock draft running up to the draft opening night on Thursday was this if by chance the Falcons either moved back in the first round which would have been okay with me as well or if they were in the second round and they moved up for an O-lineman particularly the left guard, let's just be honest, I was going to be good to go with that. And like you said, I was listening to uh, Mike Johnson, who of course is on our station, 92.9 in the game. And he talked about the kind of player that you look for who can make that easy move from left tackle to left guard, back to left tackle. And like what Matthew Bergeron brings to the table. So when you hear from a guy that did it at a high level, it certainly makes you feel more encouraged, if not more confident. But there's also one more that you called out, which I love. Arthur Smith has said from day one that he likes competition, right? And yes, AJ Terrell, there is no competition. You're just going to go ahead and be in the mix whenever he can't be in the mix. But that position, left corner, is shored up. But I feel like I agree with you. For right corner, yeah, Jeff Okuda may be, quote unquote, in the kind of driver's seat right now. But I still feel like that's up for grabs. I think with the departure of Isaiah Oliver, obviously you needed a nickel guy. So yeah, um, he can absolutely... Uh, fit in that space for nickel for Clark Phillips, of course, but, and I know this was round seven, right? But it did make me feel a little bit better that they at least went after a safety because I haven't really heard anybody talk about a safety. And again, yes, it's DeMarco Hellams in the seventh round, but it's still an Alabama player. So an Alabama player in the seventh round hits a little bit different. And honestly, when we look at it, it's like, okay, well, they're not exactly stacked to the hilt at, at safety. So I just found it very interesting, and, and maybe you have a, a quick take on that, but that there wasn't a lot of conversation or even off-season moves, free agency moves to kind of shore up anything in the safety space, but at least they go out and get one and say, well, I mean, okay, we, we got a, a guy. We might not have a, a dude, but we got a guy. And so you've got, you know, yeah, Jesse Bates the third at free safety, but it's really just Jalen Hawkins out there at strong safety. And that, I think, like I said, I don't expect necessarily DeMarco Hellams to be better than Jalen, but I was just looking to see where they were going to start stacking depth as it relates to the safeties. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes perfect sense because they didn't re-sign Eric Harris and you were yes. kind of wondering, okay, where's where's the depth going to come 
at that mm. position. You need at least another body there. So I think DeMarco Hellams can come in and do what Eric Harris did last year, which is play special teams. Yes. Um, and we'll see if the Falcons, you know, utilize a lot of three safety looks. Will we see a lot of, you know, Jesse Bates and Richie Grant and Jalen mm. Hawkins on the field at the same time, given how stacked their cornerback room seems to have gotten, you know, yes. maybe they can mix and match. So th- they'll be deep at that position, but I think DeMarco Hellams, what I really like about him is he's bringing a different type of play style than I think you're getting from Bates and Grant and Hawkins mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Cause you know, Mar- DeMarco Hellams, he just likes to hit people. He just wants to come right. around and just, you know, blast people. You know, he has no problems, you know, filling the run lane, um, you know, against a 220 pound running back or whatever, just to, to knock that guy out. So that type of energy I think is, is definitely welcome in that mm-hmm. safety room. And what's been so intriguing about this, draft and, and the Falcons are just so young on the back end like the oldest yes. players in that yeah. secondary are you know Mike Hughes and Jesse Bates and both of those guys just turned 26 a couple of months ago so it's a young group and it really has an opportunity to grow into a really solid unit with you know time development and all that stuff as these guys add more experience but it, it you know I did like the Helms pick because he just brings a different energy to that room. Indeed. And like you mentioned, Richie Grant definitely showed some signs, but then he got injured. So now you're kind of waiting to see how he's going to recover from that injury and going into this next season, what things are going to look like for him. Now, you already mentioned something that a lot of people have talked about, kind of like the conversation that has been about the Falcons and what they did or did not do, especially in that first round. But it's kind of a a two-parter before we wrap up that I wanted to ask you about. And that is kind of taking a step back. Everyone always looks at the first round, right? And they say, okay, that's the bust or boom player because you better be ready now. But when you've had the challenges that they have had at left guard, I call it left shark, like when Katy Perry performed and that left shark just was doing his own thing on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. Left guard for the Falcons is like left shark at the Super Bowl. But so for me, I'm like, okay, fine. Some people may say, okay, Bijan Robinson better hit the ground running day one, or he's going to be a bust. But is there any other player that was drafted by the Falcons this in this class who you say, okay, if we don't see this pay dividends right away, this is going to be a bust for me as well. Yeah. I think that left guard position is it right. If, if Matthew Bergeron can't win the starting job in training camp, that, you know, that's not going to be a great look. The Falcons traded up to get him because of the perception. There's been rumors coming out since the draft that the Cowboys were thinking about taking him at the end of round one. Um, and so that was maybe what prompted the Falcons to know that, hey, this guy's not going to maybe last too long. And so for the Falcons to value that player and, you know, given what you just said with the left shark thing and that position has been so much turmoil these last couple of years, if Bergeron doesn't hit the ground running, and again, you don't expect a rookie to come in and play like an all pro, but at the very least, he should be able to win that starting job. And then hopefully over the course of the season, you will see him, you know, perform at least a decent level so that you can feel good about his future. Uh, You know, unlike Jalen Mayfield, who, you know, was one of the worst starting guards in the league that year, you know, you're hoping Matthew Bergeron can, exceed that level of of performance this year and so you know if that doesn't happen that would be a a major concern for me yeah I think that's a great point as well because last year having Elijah Wilkinson made you at least feel like you're getting consistency and he's at least solid Mm -hmm. didn't need any you know super great play but you just needed somebody to be over there complimenting Jake Matthews and giving the guy some help so yeah that that absolutely is it and that's the the same for me Aaron I moved past 
the whole Bijan Robinson controversy. And I was focused on once that draft class rounded itself out, I want to see what Matthew Bergeron does. Like my whole focus is on him because I just feel like, okay, if this line can be completely shored up, if you thought Arthur Smith's scheme and strategy for running the ball last year was effective, wait until he actually gets a comp- a fully competent line. Now we're going to start talking about something. But hey, everydayers, you guys, I know, have thoughts because you tell us all the time in your comments. I'm sure you guys go and tell Aaron comments as well in his Locked on Falcons podcast comments. And, of course, you guys tweet us to death. We appreciate that because that means you're watching. So keep coming to ATL Day Ones each and every day. Keep letting us know your thoughts. And like I said, don't forget that Locked on Falcons is out there for you guys to check out as well as support our guy Aaron with all of the great coverage that he brings to the table. You can check us out on YouTube any and at all times, and of course, anywhere else that you download your podcast. Now, speaking of checking someone out, there's always a group or some, I say a group, but it could be one artist as well, who might be on your bucket list, right? So I saw a tweet earlier today about Goody Bob. They are going on tour this summer and they're, they, you know, it's a, a small tour, if you will, but of course they're going to make a stop here, Mableton to be exact. So it's probably the amphitheater. Uh, over in Mableton. They're also going to stop in Charlotte. They're going to stop in Tampa as well. So my question to you is this. I'll tell you after you answer why I'm traumatized and who, and why this triggers me, but is Outcast the group where you say, I mean, not Outcast. See, I already told it myself. Dang. All right. So <laughs> dang it, I told it myself. But um, is is Goody Mob one of those groups where you feel like, hey, they, they're on my bucket list and I got to see these guys while they're back together with CeeLo in concert? Yeah, I mean, it, it would be great to see CeeLo and, and the crew back together again. But yeah, to preempt your question, Outcast is the, the 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 bucket list group. Like, you know, let's let's literally get the band back together one last time. Uh, you know, and and I can die a happy person at that point in time. But yeah, you know, if if Goody Mob's the appetizer, then Outcast is the entree. I know. Oh my goodness. I love that, that analogy. That's it right there. Because like I said, I told him myself, Jarvis knows I am still to this day triggered because when they came, you remember when they came, they did like their farewell performance weekend here in Atlanta. And I was just an intern, i.e. a non-paid intern. So I <laughs> just get my career started in, in this uh, second act of my life, if you will. And I just, I didn't have that kind of cash. I was like, I can't, you know, like afford to go see them or whatever. And at that time we really didn't get a lot of like comp tickets from our sister station, B103. So other people not named on this show were able to go and check it out and they have lauded and talked about it and applauded outcasts ever since. And so, yeah, every time something like this comes out, I'm triggered. But yeah, I think I'm going to go check out Goody Mob at the Mableton Amphitheater. I'm very intrigued. I had a chance to meet those guys a couple months ago and they're just really cool people. So I want to go and kind of see what they're talking about. And you never know. You don't know who they might try it out there. Who might be a guest? So that's what I love, Aaron, about Atlanta. I don't know about you, but a lot of times if there's a concert I want to see, I usually will try to check it out here because I'm always like, okay, I don't know who they're going to bring out. Mm-hmm. I want to see who the guests are, whatever. Or, you know, I might go to someplace like Charlotte because typically you'll get some good guests in Charlotte as well. But for them, I need to see them in Mabletown because I think that's where somebody's just going to pop up on the stage and just shock all of us, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I'm up in North Carolina and we just had Dreamville and it was always like, okay, who's going to be the person that shows up? And it was always these rumors about Drake. And then Drake came through with like 
a whole bunch of different other people. So yeah. that's always, you know, the surprise. You go there to see somebody and then it's like, okay, who else is going to show up uh, over the course of the night? That's the kind of, you know, the, the dessert, I guess, it, to continue the analogy. Yeah. And that's a nice arena. I forget which one, but I, I went there uh, last year, just literally kind of on a Sunday, just was taking a nap and it was a beautiful day. And I was like, you know what? Let me go check out New Edition, see what they're talking about. Because I missed them in Atlanta. <laughs> I was at uh, All-Star Weekend in Cleveland when they were here. So, yeah, I went to check them out. And they didn't have any guest artists. But here's what I knew. I knew that Jodeci was going to absolutely show out because that was home. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to get the best Jodeci show ever. And they did not disappoint. So, yeah, guys, if you want to see Goody Mob here, of course, they're going to probably show out. But if you don't get them here, Check out Charlotte. That's a low-key great place to check out a some of the major artists as well because they will perform to their highest level or they'll shock you with some surprise guests. So anyway, we hopefully did shock you. Hopefully we made you happy with our surprise guest, Aaron Freeman, today. Our everydayers, we appreciate you guys and hopefully you appreciate that we always bring you the great guests when I'm out or when Jarvis is out. So don't forget. It's YouTube all day, every day, if you want to see these great faces. Because like I told Aaron, I worked hard on this hair today. And Aaron worked hard on that beard. So he needs you guys to, like, go and check it out to appreciate the hard work that he has put in for his look today. But if you just want to hear us going down the road, of course, anywhere that you download a podcast is where you should download a podcast here. And Jarvis always tells you guys to show love and spread love. And whatever other third thing he tells you guys about love. And all I'm going to say is I love anytime any Atlanta team beats up on a New York team. So yeah, here's to the petty. Go Braves in game two today. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.